Educators want to stay fresh with literacy instruction, but are so busy with students, they don't always have the time. All year long, Choice Literacy publishes and delivers the best K-12 literacy practices so that educators can grow their students as readers and writers with choice in literacy. Welcome to the Big Fresh Choice Literacy Podcast. I'm Ruth Ayers. You may have to fight a battle more than once to win it. Margaret Thatcher. This week's lead is written and read by Mandy Robeck. It can be overwhelming. It can be joyful. It was the last week in July and my oldest daughter was moving home for three weeks. I couldn't wait. When she arrived with fewer piles than usual, I was pleasantly surprised. My garage wasn't full of apartment furniture and bags of bedding and clothes didn't invade the first floor of our home. This was going to be an easy move because she was using a U-Haul pod to help her move across the country. Yet, she still brought piles. There were large plants in the living room and clothes and shoes spanning from the laundry room to the kitchen table. I find piles overwhelming and decided to put on blinders. More piles started forming. My youngest daughter was preparing to leave for her freshman year of college. We had been shopping for weeks to prepare, and her piles had been organized in the basement. It was an excellent coping plan, out of sight, out of mind. Then her piles started surfacing in the main living areas of the house, joining her sister's piles on the first floor and expanding to the second floor. Even though it all made sense, she was preparing to move to campus. The piles were growing and the feeling of being overwhelmed creeped in. When my middle daughter returned from traveling in Paris, she brought more piles, which expanded into piles and piles and piles as she turned to packing for her senior year on campus. Our house had piles upstairs downstairs, and all around. It seemed that piles invaded every part of my life. They weren't the only ones with piles. I moved six pallets, my entire classroom of 20 years, to a brand new elementary school. My daughters all rallied and offered mom moving schools support by creating piles in my new classroom. I was overwhelmed. I've opened a new school once before. I've changed grade levels over the years and moved classrooms. I know that piles are part of the progress. One night, I came home from school, and while everyone slept, I organized pile areas based on who was moving first. Putting some order in place eased my mind. I decided to be grateful because having the piles meant our daughters were home. Piles are joyful became a silent mantra. As I pulled piles into order, I realized it is true. Piles are joyful and piles are overwhelming. The same is true when transitioning from summer to school. It can be overwhelming. 
it can be joyful. It's okay to feel two opposite emotions at the same time. I'm finding this school year being overwhelmed and being joyful are here to stay. The best thing we can do is to keep pulling the piles, finding the small joys, keeping them close to our hearts. Leanne Eck is joining the podcast with me this week. Leanne is a middle school teacher in Southern Indiana and this month's featured contributor at Choice Literacy. Hi, Leanne. Hi, Ruth. It's so good to be here with you today. So the driving question for this week's theme is, how do you get teens excited about reading? I'm wondering what your answer is to that. Well, you know, there's two beliefs that I feel strongly in, and one of them is being a reader myself. It seems that when the kids know that I'm reading books and um, they, they see me reading, I put book covers on my door so they know what books I've finished. I think that's really important because they, they know I'm a reader and it's like we have those conversations reader to reader and not necessarily teacher to student. And the other part, um, I firmly believe in book talks. And I try to talk up books as much as I possibly can. I do a, a morning show once a week where the whole school gets to see my book talks. So those, those two things, I think, go hand in hand with at least getting with my middle school readers reading. Yeah, it definitely does make a difference. I'm so glad that those are the two things you picked, you know, to get kids excited about reading. It's one of the reasons why we started the Choice Literacy Book Club is because we believe so strongly in being readers ourselves, not just teachers of reading, but actually reading books. And so you have October book pick for our Choice Literacy Book Club. Do you want to tell us about the book you picked? Okay. The, um, I'm really excited about it because the book is Enduring Freedom and it is co-authored And it's based on a true story about the life of an American soldier and a boy in Afghanistan. And it it gives the dual perspectives and it really, well, number one, my kids are always wanting um, books about 9-11. It seems like that's a topic that that they're interested in and there's just not a lot of them. So this book being that storyline, definitely helps. But for me to tell them that it's also based on a true story and the two characters, even now, or the two authors who, you know, are portrayed with the characters, they, they're still living some of the struggles. Now, the, the, the soldier, he, he obviously is now an author, but he is still friends with the young man who he befriended when he was in Afghanistan. And it makes this book a, a current event because that man is, is still over in Afghanistan and he was left behind. And I know one of the things that Trent Reedy, the American author, said is that the Taliban would like nothing more than to get rid of him because he has written a book. He has exposed the, the violence of the Taliban and he's so pro-education. So it's it's just a, it's a fantastic story. I just can't say enough about the book. 
Well, I just started it today and I'm afraid I'm not going to sleep tonight because I have no idea how I'm going <laughs> to walk away from it. It's just, it's just really good. I, I think just because it's, it's a story, but it's also happening in the kids' lives today. You know, they can read about it online. They can see it in the news and it's just, it's relevant. I guess that's the word I want to use. Well, I'm excited that you chose it for the Choice Literacy Book Club. We've been meeting uh, this year and something that has just a little change on the site. Well, um, for our, for people who have been on the site, if you're a longtime user, if you go to the site, you'll notice that there's just a few changes uh, there, kind of a, a new look on our site. But one of the things I'm so excited about is we now have a dedicated space for our book club. So anyone can get into it. If you go to choiceliteracy.com, you'll see um, in the top, right corner, there's a book club link. And if you go to it, um, you can have access to book clubs. You'll see book talks and I uh, get some, just get some monthly emails around what we're reading together. So I hope that people will join in. And this is definitely a book that I think is worth picking up. Oh, I certainly do too. I think a lot of people will enjoy it. And I'm anxious um, to get started and hear what people have to say about it. So this week we collected some free for all articles uh, in the Big Fresh and all of them are around the, the theme of teenage readers. And so the first free article is by Jen Schwanke and she's talking a little bit, the title of the article is Speed Reading and she's talking about the amount of reading that teens have to do and then helping, uh, helping figure out how to navigate that. You know, there were two things I really liked about this article, and one of them I'm sure maybe isn't even um, a purpose of writing the article, but as teachers, we're problem solvers, and the first thing that struck me in the article was how she suggested to a mother to talk to the teacher about a problem that her son was having. You know, as a teacher, we can't solve those problems if we don't know about them, so I was really I, I was taken by how she gave that, that advice to that teacher. And I know that as kids get older and the, the reading, the amount of reading that they have to do, it becomes heavier and heavier. And I think the strategies that she lines out, or I think she called them shortcuts, um, they're so helpful. And I not only appreciated them as a teacher, but I know my kids are older now, but if I would have had teenage readers, that would have been helpful to me as a parent also. It is great advice from Jen. And then from a completely different way to approach getting kids excited about reading or really teen readers is an article from Tara Barnett and Kate Mills about parent book clubs. Leanne, I am so excited about this article because um, I think it's something that we can, well, one, they set us up so that we can put this in motion in our own schools. But two, I just love the idea of the way parent book clubs can bridge important conversations, especially with teenagers. Oh, yeah. I was just so excited to read this one. Um, I'm a big book club a fan of student book clubs. And to think that I could connect parents along with that learning and the reading with the kids, that's just, 
that's just a bonus. I mean, that's just a, a brilliant idea. I also love the way they shared their, their plan and their virtual tools. Um, with so many of us in living in the virtual world right now, I thought that was really helpful how they, they showed how they did that. And then I also liked how they, they reflected on what worked and what didn't work and then made adjustments for what they wanted to do the next time. And then the icing on the cake, I think for me, is that um, invitational letter that they include. So in the article, they show us the exact letter that they sent out to parents. And I can just see myself pulling language from that. It's worded really well, set up as an invitation, completely voluntary, but a great way just to invite parents to read alongside us. The final article that we've shared this week in the free for all section is one from Christy Rush Levine. I think that it is an article that is super helpful. It's called Four Step Reading Conferences. And Christy lays out kind of a step-by-step -step guide for having reading conferences with her middle school students. You know, I am a huge fan of Christy's work. Um, and I'm always looking for ways to improve my reading conferences. And I love, like you said, I love that four-step plan, but I also love the reflection form that she includes. And that is where the students reflect, but they also have some kind of an action. And so you put that together and you have the reflection. Um, I think that's, it's, it's a great tool for kids to transfer the work that they're doing in the conferences to their other reading situations. And I just, I always learn so much from her when I read her articles. Yeah, it is a great uh, form. And at the bottom of the article, people can just click on that and you can print it off, download it. It's something that I would see myself using just as is uh, in reading workshop. I think it's a great uh, tool for us and really helps give lots of insight into students as readers. Oh, absolutely. I know that's something that I want to, um, to, to kind of take and use myself. So Leanne, you kind of alluded to it. You know, we read Christie's articles and we just want more, like want to know how is it working in our classroom? And so this week we highlighted her course, Meaningful Reading Conferences. So if people love this article, I know that they will love her course because she just cracks open every move, every step. She lets us into our classroom and really shows us the nitty gritty of putting conferring in motion and then using her, her conferences to plan the next steps so that she's intentionally growing her students as readers. Now, just watching her videos, you can tell that she knows her readers so well. And there's, like I said, I always learn something when I either read her articles or I watch her videos. I just love how she continues to dig deeper and deeper into her readers thinking. It's just, it's, she does amazing work. She does and in, in the classic classroom section, you'll see a brand new video from Christy uh, where she's conferring with Logan and she's helping him think through just, um, just the plausibility of the story. Like, could it really happen? And is this a worthy problem? Okay. And in our classic classroom, Catherine Salkalowski has an article about read alouds. And I know as a middle school teacher, 
Um, it's so difficult to get everything in, but I also know how much kids at that age enjoy still being read to. I love that she shares some of her surefire read alouds. I think she lists five in there. I believe two of them I've read, so three of them are new to me, but she's such an advocate for middle school readers, and I just loved this article from her. I was excited to see a new article out from Catherine also, um, and the way that she makes it possible, uh, one, to advocate for reading aloud, so those who are maybe in schools where they feel pressure to, to not read aloud, I think this is a great article to share with uh, departments or with principals, leadership teams, but also um, it sometimes, I know when I was teaching middle school, I sometimes felt some pressure about what book am I going to read aloud? Because we do have such a limited amount of time, but knowing that read aloud is so important. And so this gives us you know, five books that I trust because I trust Catherine, uh, that that would be good fits. Oh, absolutely. And like I said, I have read two of them and those are favorites in my classroom as well. Gretchen Schrader has another new article out. Uh, Gretchen's a high school teacher. And in this article, uh, it's called Learning to Notice and Analyze Complexities. And she's helping, uh, she's helping teachers see how you can really um, lift the level of complexity in thinking. And I love the way she takes kids uh, through this process. Oh, I did too. You know, if there's a classroom that I wish I could go sneak and be in, it would be Gretchen's. <laughs> um, the work that she does with her students is just absolutely amazing. And what I liked about this article is how she builds the analysis of complexity by starting with what we know best, which is ourselves. And then she leads into pop culture and what student does enjoy reading and writing and talking about pop culture. Now, there's a lot of those things that I'm not going to get because I'm a little bit too old for that. But um, I loved how she made that progression from one to the other. And then the final, the final, her final offering was that visual interpretation, which for me, I just think that is just smart teaching. Anytime that we can add a student who is a, a visual learner and who enjoys that creativity part of learning, that's just a win-win situation. And I just, I love how she laid this article out in ways that she, she helped us to, to build that level of complexity, even in our teaching. And one of my favorite things about Gretchen's articles is the way she uplifts student voice. So throughout this article, we see examples and things that students have written, as well as just the practical way that she gets them to, to write the way that she does. So where she's uh, talking about uh, some of the pop culture work, she's encouraging students to use the word yet to show that a relationship is not just one thing, but actually two opposing things at once, which um, just ties so nicely to this week's lead where Mandy was talking about being you know, both overwhelmed and joyful. But in Gretchen's article, she shares what her student Jacob wrote 
Um, and I just wanted to share it with our podcast listeners, because I think sometimes, you know, the proof is in the pudding where this is what this this is what students are saying and this is what students are writing. So Jacob writes, um, the complexity here is that they both know that they weren't really meant to be in a long lasting relationship with each other, yet it is clear that they both still care for and respect each other because they are talking about how in the situation where the world was ending, they would come over and care for each other because there would be no long-term strings attached. And I just love the way that Gretchen is uplifting student voice. Even if you know, the grammar isn't perfect, the conventions aren't perfect, but she's showing how their thinking is becoming more complex in this article. Yeah, that's definitely, I mean, um, a strength of hers is like you said, uplifting those voices. Um, that's just, and that's so important. And I know as a teacher that that's something that, that I need to look for. And Brighton just does a really good job of that. She does. And she's, then she inspires us to see it, you know, in our classrooms too. So I, I do hope people will check out her article. It's definitely worth the read. So moving into the Leaders Lounge content um, this week, the new content that we've released, there's a new article by Matt Renwick, and he shares three books that really impacted the way he thinks about and teaches readers. You know, I am a professional book junkie, and I will admit it, I I. I love when educators share their titles because there's so many to choose from out there. And I want to, to be thrifty yet be, you know, top notch on the cutting edge of education, professional development. And I like it when, when teachers do this and I have read one of the books um, that he talks about, I read it, but I don't get it. Comprehension strategies for adolescent readers by Chris Tovani. So that one is one of my favorites too, but the other two um, are kind of new to me. So I'm kind of anxious to, to take a look at those. I'm glad that he shared those. Yeah, so the other two are um, Teaching Essentials, Expecting the Most and Getting the Best from Every Learner K-8 to by Reggie Routman and Goldie Muhammad's Cultivating Genius, an Equity Framework for Culturally and Historically Responsive Literacy. Uh, so those were his three. And then what he does in the article is he gives a description, but then also shares the unique perspective each author brought to me. And I appreciate uh, the way that Matt is sharing how his thinking is continuing to change. Uh, like you, Leanne, I love professional books, and I'm not sure that I could narrow them down to three, but an article like this really gives me pause and helps me uh, just kind of rethink my professional reading a little bit. Yes, absolutely, me too. I just, I think sometimes that we get so um, bogged down with all the choices out there that it's nice to see somebody in the field who can, who can share what they have learned from these books. So we also share um, an idea from Stephanie Affinito. If you're somebody who's planning uh, professional learning and you're wanting to get teachers, you want to get part participants to kind of discuss and reflect and collaborate, you'll want to check out the activity that we're sharing in the Big Fresh this week from Stephanie. 
Now she has so many neat things that she shares and I love how she uses her, her sketch notes to, to show those learning ideas with us. I just think it makes it almost kind of down to earth, I guess, if maybe that's a word that I wanna use, but she just has some wonderful ideas. She does. And then we can also couple it with Jen Schwanke's article, Book Hooks. I love this article because it's a way for leaders. Jen is a principal. And so she's, um, she's sharing book hooks and she talks about sharing them on morning announcements, which reminds me of what you were talking about, Leanne, and how she, she's part of the push for getting books in the hands of kids and just talking about reading lives. One of the great things about this article is she does share a book hook template. So you can, it really helps us kind of plan out how we might talk about a book in a, in a succinct way. And so again, at the end of the article, you can click on that download and have a template that's ready to use. You know, I think that's perfect for kids. I mean, I think it's, it's simplistic enough that they're going to be able to, to use that and to get, I think book talks are, they're hard to teach kids how to do, I think, because you want them to come naturally, but you also want them to be prepared. And I think this template, it does that for, for teachers and for students. So Leanne, I'm not sure if you had a chance to look into that field experience course called Picture Books and Older Students. Yes, I did. And it is just a wonderful collection of resources. There is so much in there um, that I'm afraid to just talk about one thing because I'm afraid I'm going to leave something out. And I think sometimes, especially secondary teachers, we, we underplay the value of using picture books in, in our classrooms. Um, I know this week I've been using notice and note signposts and I've pulled out picture books to, to use for that. And there's that collection of resources, it, especially with it being a field experience, you know, these, these teachers are out there, they're doing the work and they're sharing what they're learning and, and just the tools that you're using. And it's just a great collection. I am really excited about these field experience courses. I'm pleased with the way they're, they're turning out. Um, they are free to our literacy leader members. And the other advantage to this, um, if you're a person who's planning some professional learning and you're looking for a topic, these field experiences really are acting as um, a way to collect uh, a lot of information from the site in one place. So there's, um, there's just a lot of aspects in that course about picture books and older students. And I think it makes a, a really good case for, for using picture books and for just kind of the, the reasons why we would do that, as well as just these practical ways to put them in play. You know, one of the things that I love about choice literacy is that there's so many different things that are offered for teachers. And, you know, between the field experiences, the videos, the downloads, the articles, there's just so much there that we can learn from. And, you know, there may be a time where I need something specific and I go to the site to look specifically for that. And then there's other times when I just browse and, like I said, I come across a field experience where there's just, you know, a 
an abundance of different sources there. I just, I just can't express how grateful I am that this website exists for teachers because it's just, it's just really great. Thanks, Leanne. I'm so glad you said that. Um, and you know, like that wasn't planned, <laughs> just yeah. chatting along. Um, but I, I think you're right. And sometimes I feel like choice literacy is one of the best kept secrets out there. And I'm hoping that as people poke around the site and they, they discover exactly what you just described, because I think the other thing that's really a treasure about choice literacy is that, um, is that it's coming from people who are in the field and they're spending their days, you know, right alongside doing the work, um, right alongside kids and teachers. And there's something really special that comes when their boots are on the ground day in and day out. And I, I love that about our contributors. You know, even though, you know, I, I write articles for the site, I am still a learner and I learn every single day. And I just think that that's important to, to my profession in general, but also just to me as, as a person. And I just, I don't know, I just love choice literacy and what it offers. Well, Leanne, I'm glad that we get to feature you this month. People can see your content on the site, but you are pretty active in some social media places. What are your favorite stomping grounds? Um, I am pretty active on social media. And I think, well, my blog, I, it's called A Day in the Life. And I write about my life as a reader, a writer, and a teacher, because those are three pretty important things for me. Um, I'm active with a, a group called Teach Right, which helps teachers become writers because, again, that is so important. Just like we mentioned at the beginning of the podcast about being a reader myself, I'm also a writer myself, and I just think that that's really important. So I'm excited to meet people. So, you know, please reach out, find me on social media. I would love to connect. Yep, your links are in the newsletter. Um, that your blog is a day in the life of 19b.blogspot.com. Is that right? Yes, that was actually my old room number when I first started the blog. Um, that was my my room number at my old school. So that's how that came into that 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 site. And then if people want to find you on Twitter, I feel like that's a good place to connect with you. Um, what's your handle there? And that is teach r4. Again, I started that when I was the fourth grade teacher. <laughs> All these things, we never know where our journey is going to go. Exactly. At Choice Literacy, we know that you want to be an educator who makes students' lives better through literacy. In order to do that, you need access to comprehensive literacy practices delivered in a way you will actually use. With over 150 in-the-field contributors, we understand the pressure to reach a variety of needs and not enough time to do it, which is why we hold true to workshop tenets like choice and share practical ways to plan and deliver literacy instruction straight to the point of student need. You can find links to all of the articles discussed in the show notes or sign up for the Big Fresh so you can have the links delivered directly to your inbox Keep growing readers and writers by offering choice in literacy.